0: Welcome to the Kingdom Work for Christ online radio show. So glad you joined this evening. I'm your host, Emma Gama. We're going to actually start by um, getting before the throne and, and humbling our hearts. Just join me, please. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. King of, King of kings, thank you for the things that you have done in our lives that bring us to such a time as this where we can praise you and we can pray you to you, Lord, in expectation. Father, we thank you for um, the tough challenges that continue to prune our faith. We thank you for the successes, the joys that remind us that you are here. We thank you, Lord, that we're not alone ever from the moment we invite you in our hearts. Thank you for these listeners. Thank you for my amazing sister in Christ and the continuation of her testimony. And God, I just pray that you will take over this hour and that the message of the gospel will shine clear through everything according to your will. Amen. Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Work for Christ online radio show. I'm so excited that you've joined today and I'm, I'm especially thrilled because we're doing a impactful, powerful testimony from a sister in Christ who is on the line right now, Rohini Hughes. Hi, Rohini. How are you?
1: Hi Emma, I'm well. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. I was so glad last week when we got to start your testimony, and so I'm I'm just really grateful and humbled that you've decided to join us again today.
1: Well, actually, I'm I'm grateful and humility is mine today because I'm humbled to be back here and to be invited. So thank you so much for giving me this blessing today.
0: I'll praise God, and it's, it's it's really a joy. So. We are um, a little bit about Kingdom Work for Christ. If you're tuning in, guys, and you're wondering, what is this show about, let me give you a little bit of background. Kingdom Work for Christ is a full-time job inviting Jesus to take over the day-to-day. It's based on the Great Commission of Matthew 28:18 through 20. Jesus came here as a man, fully man, fully God, in order to redeem us from... Sin that had brought about brokenness, sin that continued to bring about brokenness in this world. And so when he came, he lived the perfect life that we should have lived without sin. And he died the death that we should have died because we sinned. And he resurrected, conquering that death. And he said, follow me. If you follow me, you will have eternal life, John 3. And so in that, right before he goes back to the Father, he gives his followers a beautiful set of instructions. And he says this, they're perfectly ordered. He said, number one, know that all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Number two, therefore go, make disciples of nations. Number three, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Number four, teach them to obey my commandments. And number five, know, know that I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so with that in mind, kingdom work for Christ does take the effort of inviting Jesus to take over the day to day. Kingdom work for Christ is not just about knowing the business of the Father. It's not just about knowing of God, but it's about actually submitting ourselves into the Lordship of Jesus so that we can go and we can be effective in different environments, environments like gossip, environments like sexuality, environments like diversity, environments like politics, environments like abortion, adoption. These are the environments that we have dealt with on this show. It's been a blessing to see how the Lord of Hosts today is active in every single one of them, through people like you and me, broken who He chose to redeem and make no mistake, every single person listening today, if you were the only one on the planet, he would still die for you. That's how much He loves you. I want to share this with you because I was just at a jail couple of teens and and one of them in particular we were just speaking and she looked at me and she, didn't, she doesn't know christ and so we started talking about the gospel and we got to a point where it was very evident that she hadn't forgiven herself and she thought she'd messed up so much that she was beyond repair and as i started to tell her well do you have a good relationship with your parents and she said yes And I said, well, that's amazing. Do you think there's anything you could do for them to stop loving you? And she said, no. And I said, well, that pales in comparison to how much God loves you. He is in love with you. He adores you. He wants you to come to him and experience that love. And she starts tearing up in a jail, in a prison. Look, we are in the midst of a broken world, and people are looking for hope. They're looking to break free of the prisons they're in. It may not be a physical prison, but it may be a prison of their hearts. You and I get to be either the vehicle through which the Lord of hosts gets to reach that person, or we get to be the vehicle that completely missed the ball game. And yeah, our lives may be fine, just fine that way. But the people we pass by Every single day in our different environments are left unchanged because of the decision to know ourselves before the Lord and His will. Today we're going to be dealing with blind trust. If you've listened to the past couple shows, we've started to talk about what does it mean to navigate blind spots in our lives that tend to come out of nowhere and just be completely overwhelming. How do we navigate in a way that is God-honoring, in a way that is God-centered, and in a way that is Lord of Lord? week Rohini started to tell us about how she came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and accept him in her heart and how revolutionary that transformation was. And today we're gonna to keep we're gonna keep talking. We're gonna get real about this. And you're gonna to get to learn more about this Christ's testimony. Rohini was born and raised in a Hindu Sikh family in New Delhi, India. Now her loving parents taught her to believe in a, a God through many forms of Hindu gods and Sikh and Sikh gurus. However, it was Christ that passionately pursued her heart for His glory. And 18 years ago, she accepted Him as Lord and Savior. And today, she has become an advocate for her own children. She's become a voice for military spouses and the children and their children. She's become the founder. Nonprofit Advocacy Organization National Military Spouse Advocacy Organization You can find out more about that At www.n As in Nancy, M as in Mary S A O.org. And so today we'll continue the journey To see what God has done What trials she's faced That has brought her To such a time as this So Rohini, I'm going to stop talking I'd love to ask you to take over and let's, let's literally keep going from where we stopped uh, last time.
1: Sure. Um, So, you know, during the last um, session, we discussed my um, faith in Christ and how it all started um, the journey to um, becoming a Christian, accepting Christ in my heart. And today, I'd like to, with your permission and the listeners' permission, discuss um, the, the journey in those 18 years and how it led us to where we are today. Um, I'd like to discuss, sure, a few miracles that uh, God blessed us with in the middle of our storm, in the middle of all the chaos, um, and then just go from there. So. For the um, for those 18 years, and I've been married to my husband for 20 years. Um, the children and I went through um, some abuse. Um, majority of it was psychological, was emotional, mental. Um, very few physical, uh, but mostly psychological and, and, and spiritual abuse. And during that, um, we developed this amazing faith in christ um and this is some of the stuff that i discussed in our previous discussion where um we deliberately i deliberately as a mother had to make that choice of not memorizing scripture verses in order to ensure that i would not twist them take it out of context which is what we were receiving from my husband and his family so, we didn't want to become that. So, for that fear, we just became stronger and stronger in our blind trust and faith in Christ, not really knowing the word, which is what exactly God calls us to do. But our circumstances were so different um, that we made a deliberate choice not to do that and still survived those years with our faith. And in those years, we went through some very difficult times with. Numerous things, um, like for example, my brother-in-law, my husband's younger brother, sent a pornographic video to our home, uh, pretending that it was purchased by my husband, um, clearly to divide and destroy our marriage. And oh, no. I knew that my husband didn't have that type of character um, to be involved in such a thing. So I knew exactly what their source was and. Um, this is how we you know this was one of the ways that our marriage was attacked, our, our home was attacked, our spiritual entity, our, our shelter was attacked and And all these things took place while these people claimed to be Christians. So it was very um, confusing, very puzzling to me as this Christian spouse. Um, because I didn't see a husband who stood up um, and defended my honor, our marriage, our children. Um, He actually condoned it. And that was very difficult um, to receive, to endure. I bet. You know, Um, the children.
0: uh, Sorry, uh, Rohini, one one quick question before we go further. Um, What
1: how do you define blind trust? Um, So, you know, previously I had defined blind trust according to the dictionary, unable to see, sightless, right, lacking perception. Um, And to me, blind trust in, in Jesus is trusting him, not knowing what the future holds, not knowing what the present holds, but knowing and trusting him to know that he's walking with me no matter what. He's giving me wisdom and discernment when I ask for it no matter what. He is my loving father no matter what. The Holy Spirit is constantly going to provide us with whatever we need no matter what. And at the end of the day, I can either choose to do things on my own, with my own knowledge, with my own wisdom, my own discernment, or I can ask for God's, and place everything in Him, by choosing that blind trust in Him that whatever He means, He means for good, our good,
0: to bless us. Amen. Amen. And I'm I'm so glad you recap that. And the only reason I'm bringing it up, and I'm so sorry for interrupting you, is because no, no, as you're please. talking about this, you know, conflicting. Image of what you're seeing about because you're a brand new Christian at this point, and here you're nice. seeing these people who who are supposed to be walking in their Christianity, and yet you so you don't it's not like you have an example to necessarily follow. But the power of the cross is that when Jesus comes in, He leads, and He leads in a way that even if the examples around us are not are not showing His divine nature, we can still we can still journey with him if we, if we let him guide us. And so that's, that's why I, wanted, I really want to bring that up before you go further into your testimony because it's just so, such an intricate part of it.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know, um, I wrote some verses down, and um, one thing which is very strong is in Psalm 4610, God tells us clearly, be still and know that I am God. You no, know, that clearly mm-hmm. tells us he has the power, he has the wisdom, he has everything that we need. We just need to be still and receive it as we seek and we ask for it. And that's all we're told to do and to trust him. I mean, it's just three simple things. Yet as humans, we fail all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we take yeah. it
1: back from him, you know, and um, we struggle and we're like these children that have these selective hearing and selective uh, memories. <laughs> we forget what God did for us yesterday and the day so before, true. and and that that's what God's reminder is. You know, don't forget that because I'm still with you no matter what. Um, so at any rate, we um, we went through some other things as well. Um, my husband went through three deployments and um, would come home after each deployment and never talk about what he witnessed or didn't witness. He was never on the front line um, because he's an attorney, but at the same time he was in a war zone. He did hear the mortars. He did witness certain things and he would never speak of of it. Um, And he had a very abusive childhood. So with that, combined with the deployments, I'm sure it's taken some sort of an emotional, mental toll on him. Um, And that's the only thing that I can think of that would equate to our abusive environment at home um, from him. So we um, we would endure the abuse in every capacity and pray and ask God for help and seek marriage counseling and Sometimes, you know, the marriage counselors, Christian or not, would see clearly um, the situation is abusive. And sometimes um, there was one time where I was told that I wasn't submissive enough, or I didn't respect my husband enough, and therefore I had to endure these things. And uh, you know, we have to be so discerning oh, wow. that in, in marriage, we, when we seek counseling, whether it's in church or outside of church to a Christian counselor or a secular counselor, we have to ask for God's discernment because just because someone holds credentials to be able to counsel you doesn't mean that we are going to be receiving a godly counsel led by the Holy Spirit. And we need to, we need to ask for God's discernment, ask for the Holy Spirit's discernment. And that's imperative as a Christian. And, not put all our trust in another human who may or may not be led by God. And, you know, abuse... Amen. Him. And he, who doesn't know our hearts. Well, it doesn't know our hearts and he's not in our homes to really evaluate the depth, the tone, uh, the actions, the behaviors. Um, you know, and that's, that's critical when, when, when we're being counseled by others. Mm. And right. especially... You know, as as loving, as as kind and godly as our churches are, I don't believe that our churches are able to truly grasp abuse these days. I think they're learning. I think they're growing. But they they don't understand it to the depth that it it needs to be understood. Um, So, you know, I think the typical example is, you know, a couple is having issues in their marriage and they go seek counseling from the church. And the typical answer is, you know, let's just pray about this. Let's just, um, you know, let's just um, see if the wife is being submissive and respectful to the husband. And and let's see if the, the husband is truly treating the wife as Christ, you know, expects, him to treat the wife and you know like in that verse um the, the verse clearly states you know how to treat your spouse as jesus treated the church right um right. The church like his wife right. right and forgive me again for not knowing the scripture but um it, it's it's beyond that which is is the church going to truly hold the individual who's abusive accountable for that abuse and recognizing it as abuse, because it's not just spiritual abuse. It's, it's psychological abuse and what it's doing to that spouse and the children involved. I don't think the church is equipped to recognize those things. And most churches, you know, can be, and perhaps are, but then there are some that are not. I think that needs to be strengthened where this spouse, the victim, is not immediately told, well, this is happening because you're not submitting. This is happening because you're not respectful. Well, Mm -hmm. she will submit when the husband is able to treat her like Christ loved the church. So if Christ is loving the church and the husband is loving the wife as Christ is calling him to, then automatically she will be led to submit to her husband. But submission, the word submission is abused and taken out of context by, by so many. And it's quite sad. That's not what God meant um, for it to be. Submission was not we bow down um, to our husbands and you know submit and, and obey them for whatever they demand. We're not their servants. We're not their slaves. And even on the other hand, You know, if we turn the tables around, they're not our servants. They're not our slaves. We are to respect them and love them and honor them and um, take care of them because we are their wives. We are their spouses. But it goes both ways. And it's clearly written in the Bible the way that we're supposed to do it, the way we're supposed to follow it. And that's what husbands and wives are supposed to do. If they become one together under God's kingdom, And that's beautifully mentioned in um, one of the amazing books written by Tony Evans called Kingdom Marriage. Um, And then further, um, you know, it's um, expanded in many versions through um, another amazing Christian ministry called Marriage Today by Jimmy and Karen Evans. Um, These two entities combined are on fire to save marriages in our nation, in our world. And they will stop at nothing because they know where the enemy attacks. The enemy wants our marriages to be broken, to be destroyed, because that's how the enemy can get. Satan can get to our children's souls a lot quicker in a broken home to a broken marriage than in any other way. And when I grasped that, when I understood that, my whole thinking changed It was no longer about, I'm so tired of this abuse. I'm so tired and drained because I'm trying to change my husband and help him understand how painful and hurtful it is for him to abuse us. It changed my thinking that my enemy is not my husband. It's the spiritual warfare. It's behind the scenes. That's who I'm fighting here. And it's, you know, that verse, um, your, your fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, right? And I should have had these verses written down, forgive me, but... No, no, it's fine. Um, that, that
0: one is out of um, Ephesians 1. that talks about okay. the, um, the spiritual warfare and how, yeah, our fight is not it's against rulers and principalities.
1: So when we as wives and we as husbands, instead of fighting in our bedrooms, in our home, turn that fight against the true enemy, Satan. Whole war takes a whole new meaning, a whole new shape, a whole new image. And that's where the fight is. So how do we fight this? I learned through Tony Evans and Jimmy and Karen Evans, you fight this on your knees. You fight this by putting on the armor of God. You fight this by praying fervently, diligently, desperately, on your knees every single day for your spouse, for your children. Asking and begging for God to open the eyes of their heart, to soften their heart. Bless them with a brand new heart that is full of the Holy Spirit. And for God to destroy the hardened heart. I mean, there's so much knowledge in the power of prayer and the power of prayer on your knees. There's just nothing like it. And I've, I've seen the results from this. You know, God's not just asking us to do this blindly and not reward us for that blindness. He clearly, if we do this blindly and put all our trust in him, that doesn't mean that you don't take action. He's clearly asking us to act by getting on our knees, putting it in his hands. But then we are to act on what he's asking us to act. You know, it doesn't mean that I don't pursue litigation during the abandonment and desertion. It doesn't mean that I abandon my family and run away because I was abused and not protect the children. It means that I need to do what I need to do, but with my blind trust in Christ that he will resolve this. He will take care of this, and he will provide. And so he has, repeatedly. And Amen. And I've learned that, um, you know, in Romans 8.28, God clearly tells us, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And it's just amazing in the last two years, as things have gotten worse, how much I've been able to grow. I'm still not memorizing verses, if you can tell. But, you know, I can can remember parts of the verses and remind myself um, whenever I become hopeless, whenever I fall weak. And one verse that comes to mind, which is so amazing, um, and I don't remember the verse again, you know, when God says, when you are weak, I am strong. And that was amazing to me because it clearly shows that when we think that we could do it all and we're so powerful and we're led by our pride and our arrogance and we're not allowing him to lead, we're not allowing him the power that he deserves we're not going to continue um, to make progress. And in, in, as a Christian, you know, then expect God to intervene and act on our behalf. I mean, that's, that's clearly hypocritical in so many different ways, but in some ways I think it comes through maturity, maturity of suffering, maturity of learning, maturity of growing in Christ, maturity of growing in his word. Um, and, I think one of the things that abuse does is it forces you in isolation. And I think as Christians, it's so important for us, um, especially the victims of abuse, to make a deliberate attempt in, in making relationships with the body of Christ, going to church, being in Bible Amen. studies. Um, you know, reading the Bible at home is fine. Maybe going to church once a week is fine. But where are you being fed? Who, who is coming alongside you and saying, you know what? You're not walking on this path alone. I'm with you, and it's through prayers. And then humbly, but very boldly, asking for prayers from people. I think in our culture, we believe that we're burdening people when we ask for prayers. They've got too much on their plate. They've got too many prayers on their plate. That's not for us to worry if. Yes we're going to be led by asking them to pray for us and the Holy Spirit should lead them in praying for us. If they're able to pray for us and that's That's between them and God, but we are to ask and seek and then we shall receive. And therefore it's very important that you have the, the complete knowledge of the power of prayer, the strength of prayer. Um, in our church, um, I've attended McLean Bible Church. There's a designated prayer room where people can go and pray anytime they want to. And and sometimes, um, well, every Sunday in between services, they hold um, a prayer time um, where there's a pastor mm-hmm. and, and they lead people to prayer. And I, I think that's, that's imperative. Great. You know, in the movie War Room, Um, taught us exactly that, the power of prayer. What does it mean to create a prayer closet, a prayer room, you know, a prayer area where there's no distractions. You just get on your knees one-on-one. You're speaking to God, having a conversation and bringing your needs to him and knowing that when those prayers are done, you're walking away, that your father has heard you and your father is, is, you know, ready to take action. But then I also learned, this amazing concept of praying bold prayers. It's not just a prayer of worry where you can say, God, please give me this. Please fix this. Please do this. Please this, 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 this. It's a question. It's a plea. It's a demand. But then turning it around and saying in faith, saying, God, what I'm asking for, you've already done this. So I'm praising you for this answered prayer, Father. I am praising you for you have already done according to your will. This has already been completed. This has already been finished. Father, I'm boldly bringing this to you, to your feet, that what I'm asking for in the restoration of my marriage that has been done, it's been completed because it's according to your will. You promised me in the Bible that what you have brought together, no one can divide. No man shall divide. So I'm reminding you of your promises and I'm asking you boldly today that my marriage has been restored and it's been healed and what you meant to have done in this marriage, it's already been done. And what you mean for this marriage to do in the future, that has already been done. So father, use it for good. Please use these adversities and these trials for good. And that's what our suffering is about. And that's what growing in Christ is about. And that's where we need to focus in our prayer, bold and blind trust, bold prayers. And I've learned a lot. (laughs) I'm still learning a lot. Yeah. And I think you're, I
0: mean, I'm amazed because you're able to, to give some very practical knowledge as well and wisdom about how to navigate um, these circumstances, especially with abuse. And I I want to recap a little bit of what you said for our listeners because it it was quite a lot, Um, but super important to know. I mean, you talked about how it's important to take action and to um, also make sure that you're being led to actually move forward. And so that means protecting your children. That means ensuring that you are remaining safe. That means making sure that you are um, discerning where you are actually hearing truth and where you're not. In order to do that, really developing that intimacy with Christ comes in imperative necessity in order to be able to get through. And I think that's where, um, you know, there's wisdom in in churches saying, yes, you have to pray. Um, But the true wisdom is in being able to not only pray and hear, but obey immediately. Pray and hear, but also let God you know, take the lead on what you do next. Um, So as you were talking, one of the things I wanted to to specifically ask you was when did you, at what point did you move from, you know, the paralysis of, uh, I'm I'm sure the emotional, you know, processing of everything that was happening with with the abusive marriage to actually taking action? And what was one of the pivotal things that happened that allowed you to do that?
1: Yes, um, so the pivotal moment the turning point came um it was Christmas of twenty fourteen uh, it was christmas Eve um my husband had just returned from attending his um stepbrother's wedding um and we um it was it was pretty bad in our home um his abuse had just heightened it had intensified so much. Uh, at times it was unbearable. Um, so we were, we were really, really close to, you know, doing something, whether it's escaping or, um, just figuring some alternative to survive because it had become so unbearable. So, um, I decided to take our daughter for her 18th birthday to Virginia beach and, uh, during that time, um, because my husband um, was not accompanying us, uh, he wiped out all the accounts while we were on the road and then followed it with um, a five, six-page um, letter of his demand. And his demands um, ranged anywhere from, um, and by the way, I don't have a college degree. I don't have any education other than some credits that a. Local Community College. Every time we moved to a brand new state, um, so he demanded that I uh, return to college, and while earning and pursuing my degree, that I would work 30 hours at um, you know at a job. And it, it, it's one thing to want these things for your spouse, and you know, create an environment where it's safe. These are good things when you're 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 motivating your spouse to become better uh, academically, professionally, um, in so many different ways. But it becomes abuse when um, it's the tone changes. The demands are not done in a loving way. It's uh, it's done in an abusive way. So for for us, you know, in writing, it was very clear. You know, he mentioned the local bakery needs a dishwasher. You are to work there. And, um, everything had a timeline Mm. and, uh, you are to get Mm. six, seven jobs equaling 30 hours a week. I don't care what you do, what you work. Um, you know, enter hotels and ask for house cleaning position. Um, if, if need be, um, you know, all household chores will be written down and he demanded that our children do them, which they were doing anyways. Um, I was born and raised in India, so we don't believe in this foreign concept of paying your children for the household chores. This is what family does. It's all hands on deck in the family. And you're not paid for it because that's what families do. So that's how we had raised our children. However, this changed. And every demand in this letter had a timeline, timeline immediately, timeline one week, timeline two weeks. And then it went to, you know, all meals will be made at home, we're going to write these meals out, which, again, seems very fine and normal in so many households, but, again, it's the tone of delivery, you know, timeline immediately, Um, you know, and it went on further, um, such as we will have devotions three to four weeks a week, uh, three to four nights a week, Um, what verse we read, when we read, how much we read would be dictated to us, timeline immediately uh, which is clearly, you know, spiritual abuse. Um, as parents, we will only speak positively in front of our children yet, you know, unfortunately, um, he was abusive to the children to call them losers all the time, tell them that they wouldn't amount to anything. Um, and on the contrary, he was demanding that I needed to speak posi- positively to the children. Um, and, and um, I would be given 30 minutes to complain um, once a week every Sunday after we had eaten and come home from church. Um, and, you know, what time the children would go to sleep, what time the children would wake up in the morning. Well, that was already given. You know, our daughter was 17. Our son was 10 or 11. So guidelines, these boundaries were already set. Um You know, it goes on further, which is I weigh 104 pounds that I would be mandated to go to the gym, what part of the body um, I do weightlifting on, how many times a week, um, how many sessions. Everything would be dictated to me, timeline immediately, timeline this. And um, he would um, take care of all the financials of the home if I were to purchase even a pack of gum, I would uh, have to submit the receipt to him. Um, And, you know, it just became, um, it was already a clear dictatorship in our home. But then when we Mm -hmm. saw this visually, when we received this letter and the children and I read it, um, I mean, my daughter and I read it. My son's too young to share this. Um, We, we, we clearly, it's like a light bulb went on and, To me, I clearly understood what we were living, um, what we were going through. Our food was being weighed every day. What we ate, how much we ate was already being dictated to us. And those were the conditions that we were living in. And he would be abusive and we would share it with him and he would turn around and say, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. So as a spouse, I began to believe that all these things were taking place yet he wasn't taking any accountability or responsibility for it. So am I going crazy? And then I would consult with the children, and Mm -hmm. they were going through the same thing. So it's almost like the three of us were being, you know, turned against each other. So what my daughter and I decided to do is we decided to write um, the abusive events and documenting them with dates and times so that we would have a clear documented evidence of what was taking place at what time and, and our stories would match so that when our store and when, when the attempts came where we were trying, you know, when we were being used against each other, that would be, you know, that that would diminish, um, that that would no longer be possible. Hmm.
0: Um, You know, it kind of reminds me of what we need to do now. And when it comes to the enemy, right? Because the spirit of confusion is what you try yes. to do. Oftentimes yes. it's like, well, God God doesn't like you. He, he hates you. And it's like, no, no, let me go back to what he's already done. Let me go back to how faithful he's already been. Um, so that in oh, itself absolutely. was already getting you absolutely. started. Using the document. Amen.
1: Yes. And a clear example is, um, you know, my husband would um, tell the children and I, um, and, and, you know, specifically in a sentence to me, um, you're so incompetent that I can't even have an intellectual conversation uh, with you in front of my colleagues. And you know it's amazing how the enemy uses these type of phrases to um, attack us into believing lies. they're lies right that's not right. the truth. that's not what God thinks of us. if if I'm that's able right. to articulate very clearly, what I'm there to advocate for in front of a judge as I'm in litigation and then be complimented and be told that I need to pursue law school because I'm so great at presenting, then I have to really think and say, okay, is what my husband telling me truly true? Is that really the truth or is that the, the hand of the enemy? And am I going to give my husband the clear authority and the worth that is above my God's authority and work, where am I finding my work? It's in my God. And what does my God think of me? What does my father think of me? And I think that's when we become to idolize our spouses, which is so dangerous. You know, our most important thing that we need to know deepest in our hearts is, I answer to my God and what does he think of me? And then I need to be concerned about, What does my spouse think of me? I'm not saying it's not important, but when we start placing our spouse ahead of our God, that is too dangerous. That is wrong. And then we need to really question our Christianity, our trust in Christ, because then we're worshiping the idol before our God, which is not what our Bible is asking us to do.
0: Um, It's true. And to that point, um, Rohini, as you're mentioning that, you know, earlier on you were talking about the verses sometimes that get used to, you know, in an in abusive manner, um, talk about submission. And I and I want to read a little bit of the beginning of that chapter, because it is a chapter that's often referenced out of Ephesians 5. And right yeah. before Ephesians 5, it talks about in Ephesians 4, um, the last verse says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That begins five. Then five says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. It continues on to give instructions about how to navigate this life without foolish talk, without obscenity, without impurity. And then it continues on to how we were once in darkness, for but now we are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, in righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless seeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And then it continues on. And then it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the first thing. Then it goes into the the verses that we often hear. Wives, submit to your yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to Christ so wives shall submit to their husbands and everything and then it says husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. I think that's super important to understand context. A lot of times we get in trouble when we take it out of context and we take our pet verses and try to apply that to situations. And God, God is very, very clear about his heart for the brokenhearted, his heart for the brokenness of this world and saving us out of it. And so, you know, within that context, Rohini, what are some of the, the key manifestations of God that helped you to hang on in that time of abuse?
1: Um, you know, I don't even know how to answer that because I think I'd have to say <laughs> it's truly God's provision, his miraculous provision that allowed me to continue uh, on the path of trust, the blind trust and the truth. Um, because it's very difficult here I look upon my husband and his family who have been Christians for way longer than I have, so who am I to come around and teach them what the Bible says when i don't even know the Bible academically, but yet I know the difference between right and wrong, and that 's all I know so i can't and I can't debate them academically in in the word because I know i 'll lose and um You know, just a a quick example is um, um, my mother-in-law. You know, um, was actually part of um, the moment when I accepted Christ. It was through her really close friends. Yet, this is the same woman that years later justified having an affair with a married man, and um, had the had the audacity to walk up to the married man's wife. And she was a, she's a strong Christian who leads Bible studies in her home. And my mother-in-law justified her affair and asked the wife to release her husband from the marriage by simply demanding and stating that in, in the Bible, God clearly states that he um, allows divorce under certain circumstances. And you know how that is taken out of context. And because yeah, they're in so love, absolutely. that they should be permitted to become one under Christ. That's that's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. That's not it what the It is, Bible and I permits. think
0: it completely is, and it talks to the brokenness. You know, at the end of the day, and that's yes. why that's why this. I'm so passionate about this show. I'm so passionate about this very specific topic of inviting Thank Jesus you. into our day to day because. This is exactly what happens when we take our stale knowledge of the gospel in bite-sized pieces and we try to go and operate without the leading of the Holy Spirit, without intimacy with God. We literally twist verses into grotesque applications. And unfortunately, people who are not believers or people who who are believers but are drifting away see that and say, you know what, I want nothing to do with that if that's the gospel. So that that is mm-hmm. damaging and that that's absolutely wrong, but in the midst of that,
1: a- absolutely the faithfulness
0: right. of God tone bright in your life. And and so what I want to hear from you is what are some of the miracles that happened
1: that were oh my goodness you know I think we need a whole new show for that um, you know what we may have
0: to go to part three. <laughs>
1: And I'm fine. I would be just so delighted and so humbled to receive an additional um, gift of an hour. Um, But my goodness, they they have ranged um, from so many things. And I'll just share very few. And I think we're going to have to, with your permission, and if it's possible. Um, So, you know, from that moment of receiving this letter, we chose um, to change different things. And God literally... Took the children and I out of the situation, and um, you know we we chose the homeless path, and that's when our amazing journey began. My daughter. What do you mean
0: by chose um, the homeless path? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you.
1: um, Well, it um, when we received this letter, we knew that returning home was not an option, so we chose to be out of the home for the next seven weeks. Um, hopping hotels and hoping that my I'm husband that. would seek counseling, would seek assistance um, for his anger, for his abuse. Um, I had contacted and brought it to the um, my husband's command pleading and begging them to intervene, um, asking them to assist us with mental health evaluation or something because I knew that this was not normal behavior. Um, you know, coming in bringing a box of food and throwing it at your daughter. Um, And then, you know, enjoying the abuse. He would watch us in our misery when we were crying because we're in so much pain from the abuse. And then he would, he would grin. Um, He would smirk. He would enjoy it. The more we cried, the Mm, more he enjoyed our suffering. And that's not normal behavior. And I didn't know what to relate that to. So, After the seven weeks of being in hotels, um, he moved out of the home and we moved back in the home. However, after four months of living in the home, he was transitioning from active-duty military to reserve-duty military and received military orders, and then he ended up terminating the lease for the home that we were renting in Vienna, which forced us into homelessness permanently because we didn't know where to go. Um, he had oh, financially wow. abandoned us for months, so we didn't have any funds. I hadn't worked in 18 years, um, you know, supporting my husband's military career, taking care of our sick daughter, and, um, I, you know, there was no way that I could begin a career without a college degree and being absent mm-hmm. from the 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 world of, you know, a career-oriented woman. So... Um, at that point, we checked into a hotel on base, and um, God just provided. And these are, this is the beginning of my miracle. Two days prior to, um, you know, just going into homelessness, my neighbor that I had never met, um, Eileen Garner, um, came into my home to purchase something, and I had Christian music on, and we just struck up a conversation. The next thing you know, she had just started a divorce coaching business. And she offered to assist me. And next thing you know, the next five days, I was in her home for five days, all day long, being fed by her, being prepared to go into court um, in a pro se manner, representing myself. Um, I mean, that's agape love. Who does that? I'd never met this woman. She's a strong Mm -hmm. Christian woman. So her and her husband showed this amazing love. In, in the middle of my storm, and prepared me and brought me to a point where now, you know, after so many months, I get repeated compliments from attorneys, from other in, individuals who tell me where – they ask me where I went to law school, and then once they find out that I don't even have a college degree, they're they're trying to motivate me and encourage me into pursuing law because That's what they windy, see, like is such an an amazing potential in me. I mean, that's just God. It's just yeah. completely the grace of our God.
0: Absolutely. And then, it reminds um, me of Daniel when they were equipped, you know, to, um, yes. with, with not just the health, but also the wisdom and the knowledge. And they, they shone above Absolutely. all the other young boys. Yeah,
1: that's Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, well, um, another miracle, you know, just want to slip that in. Um, We had nowhere to go. We couldn't afford, you know, these normal hotels that were over $100 a night. And literally at the last minute when I have nowhere to go, you know, God opened up through miraculous ways, a hotel on base, and we're only allowed to stay there for 30 days because those are military rules. Well, the general manager, I still don't know if she's a Christian or not, but God used her in amazing ways. We were permitted to stay there for almost a year which is unheard of wow. if that's not thank a miracle you, and that's not a hot hand from our God, you know, yes. I don't know what is. And then it just continues. I love that. There's so many more.
0: Well, we're definitely going to be hearing more. If not immediately next week, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on. Cause I, I will say thank this a, a neat thing about what you just shared and thank you so much for sharing it is that, you know, here we have, it goes back to your point from earlier Blind trust is not about losing our sight entirely. Blind trust is about replacing our yeah. sight with the sight and the purview of God. And the thing yeah. that is amazing is he has all access. And here you have this incredible access to what should have been inaccessible when it comes to you know the, the day-to-day and the level of brokenness that you are facing. And so what I would love to do also is... When we have you back on, if Eileen is available, I'd love to have her on as well. Um, oh, and, thank and you. That was I'm fantastic. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> the question I'm sure our listeners will have as well is, how does Christian woman divorce coaching, how does that go together? So we will, we'll, I would love to talk a little bit about what that is and, and how you know how she's able to um, to minister to people through that as well. I am so grateful for you. Absolutely grateful. We're, we're no, nearing grateful the bottom of grateful for you, our Emma. Mind.
1: Thank you. Oh, praise God. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the blessing. Very grateful for your time.
0: Absolutely. No, thank you. So would you pray us out?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, Father God, we're just so grateful that you are our God and you are our living God and our true God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you do for us, leading us, guiding us blessing us each and every moment of our day father we just ask for every listener listening we pray that you would have tremendous amount of blessings upon each marriage father father we pray that hearts that are hardened would be softened immediately forgiveness that needs to take place in marriages father would be awarded by the holy spirit lord god children that need to be restored and healed would be healed immediately by your power father father i pray that you would give us strength to fight for our marriages fight for our children fight for each and every generation to come after our children claiming them for your service for your truth lord god give us courage give us strength for the power of prayer in jesus name we pray amen Amen. Thank you so much.
0: Guys, thank, thank you for you. listening today. Absolutely. Thank you for listening today. We are so glad that you continue to join us every week. Um, you, we've definitely touched on a, a few um, more than enough to to get us thinking and to get us um, considering the wonders of God through even impossible situations. Please note that we are not advocating in any sort of way um, you know, bashing our spouses, but we are advocating being truthful and authentic about our testimony, because in that, we can shine the light of God and how he is acting. This is definitely a show that is highlighting the power of God through brokenness in marriage, and so we're going to be talking more about that when we have Rohini back on, and um, and please note that Rohini, you are still married, right? You're you're not going through litigation for a divorce, correct?
1: No, no, not at all. I am I am still married, still have my wedding rings on, and I am fighting for my marriage and I will amen. not back down. Amen. Please, amen. And how are you fighting? <laughs> I am fighting on my knees through prayer. Amen. And boldly <laughs> asking God to intervene. So this is how I'm That's fighting right. for my husband's soul. Amen. Amen. What a
0: beautiful testimony. Well, thank you very, very much. And guys, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, know that he's pursuing you, he made you, he loves you. If you want to know more about Jesus, you want to know more about what the cross meant and what it means today, please contact us. Contact the kingdomworkforchrist.com. If you want to know about resources to make sure that you're being spiritually fed addition to the Bible, not instead, in addition to the Bible and, and prayer, then please contact our show as well. We're not affiliated with anyone, and so we'll give you resources that we have personally experienced and know have blessed us, and we pray that it blesses you. In the meantime, have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye-bye.